This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Hello, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour, and I'm here every week from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I like to bring up interesting topics on this show for us to talk about. You know, I've been in practice as a sports psychologist in the Kansas City area for 37 years. Been on the radio for 27 years. Our show is now being syndicated nationally, and I try to bring up topics that will interest you, our listeners, about the world of sports. And we talk about things like motivation, concentration, attitudes, sportsmanship on this show. And today I have two guests in the studio with me, and I think you're going to find the show very interesting. If you have a son or daughter who is in the middle school and elementary school or maybe at the high school level, these two gentlemen I've known for quite a while, they have combined almost 90 years of coaching experience. They know a lot about coaching. Joining me today are Bill McDonald, who has coached for 50 years in the Kansas City area, the sport of baseball. He gets it. He understands what it's about. We've talked before on this show, and Bill is extremely knowledgeable and understanding about athletes and parents and sportsmanship and winning and losing. And also joining us today is Bruce Erickson, who's coached close to 40 years at both the collegiate and high school level. Bruce coaches women's basketball. I've worked with him with the teams he's coached before. He's a wonderful human being. He gets these young ladies. He is a psychologist as well as a coach and the way he works with these people. So, gentlemen, first of all, thanks for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. You know, when we look at the world of sports today, it's, in my opinion, has changed. I've been a sports psychologist for 37 years. I've been on the radio, as I said, 27 years. And the topics I talk about today now have expanded much more so into this whole world of youth sports and the problems we're dealing with. A few weeks ago, I had a referee from Tulsa, Oklahoma, named Brian Barlow, who has started a Facebook page, asking pe- people to send him videos of out-of-control parents and coaches at soccer games. Started this last fall. He pays them $100 for every video they send him. He's now had over 4,000 videos sent to him. I think he's probably broke. But that's scary. Over 4,000 videos of out-of-control parents and coaches at games. You guys have coached at the high school and Bruce at the collegiate level. What's changed about high school sports today? What would you like? Where would you like to start, Bruce? You want to start with that? You bet. Well, I just think there's so many uh, parents that uh, I think a lot of them live try to live through their daughter, and it's it's one of those that uh, in this day and age, they they all think that they want to be a a Division One player, and if they don't reach that level. There's a lot of disappointment in a lot of families where years ago they didn't have that uh, attitude. They were just happy to get to college, and you know a lot of uh, scholarship offers were put out there. But now it's it seems like it's all the Division One level, and I think a lot of the summer stuff that they do, uh, the AAU programs, and you know there's some great uh, coaches in those programs, but 
you know, they all want to try to push those kids towards the Division One level, and that puts a lot of pressure on the kid if they don't get it or uh, if they receive one that they might end up being a practice player. You know, there's a lot of pressure, and, and the parents put a lot of money in those situations to, to try to force, uh, you know, their daughter to become a, a better player and to have that opportunity. Is the issue of money and scholarships play a big role? Do you, are you finding, you've coached at both the collegiate and high school level, now you're at the high school level with girls. Are you finding that the, that whole idea of getting a scholarship and saving us money is a big motivator for a lot of parents? I think so, yeah. In this day and age, anybody's looking. They all want that uh, Division One offer because it's a free ride. And, uh, you know, th- those kids that are the top elite athletes know they'll have a scholarship there. The top 100, 200 players, they'll always have a scholarship but it's those in-betweeners that are really fighting to, to get their own private instructors and a weight training coach and a skill coach and a shooting coach. And, you know, they put so much uh, money in there. And I still I have thought this for years that if those parents would save all that money on all the specialty uh, coaching that they get, that have enough for us for to pay college tuition. I was, I was just going to bring that up. Now, Bill, you, you've coached 50 years at the high school level of baseball. What's changed today? You've just retired from coaching. You've been working with your son, who's a high school coach. What's changed today from, say, 20, 30 years ago? Actually, I think it's pressure on the parents. Um, the, the parents see the, the good athlete, and they want to catch that good athlete. They want their child to be able to catch that good athlete. So they spend a vast amount of money, travel, uh, hotels, food, uh, to try to give their child that. And so I think the pressure is on them as what's gotten things skewed that we then have lost in baseball. We have lost the concept of team, of what a team is about and what you have to do to sacrifice for the team. And the parent does not see team. They just look at the individual of their son or, or in his case, the, the, the daughter. And um, so my job as a high school coach was to a certain extent was to protect protect the player from the parents, and so my, how'd, how'd you do that? I think you have to meet with the parents and discuss with the parents to let them realize that you know what you're doing fundamentally in teaching the game that you coach that you know what you're doing and that you care about their child, and you can see. I would say coach could say the same thing about uh, basketball, girls basketball. You can see when the pressure begins to mount on the young man or young lady in practice. You can see they're having failure, and you can see that pressure. When I see that pressure, I get the parent in, and I contact the parent to come in, and we're going to talk about where is the pressure. And so, therefore, we have to relieve of filming every move that he makes in a baseball game. And I've had parents come and try to film baseball practice. So the player never gets to just well. Hold on, hold on. You have a, a parent coming and filming practice. Filming practice. Do you let him do that? No, no. Well, so, I eliminated him from this person from doing that. And and how and how did he react to you when you said that to him? Not positively, but I didn't really care because I'm protecting the player because the player in practice he could not perform in practice because he's performing for the camera and he's worried about what his dad's going to do. I just had an athlete in my office a couple days ago. First time I've seen this young lady, she's a high school runner, and she came in with her dad, and very nice uh, parent and daughter. She's a sophomore in high school, and they were there because she's not running well. She's having panic attacks and anxiety attacks now and breathing problems when she's running. So the dad came in initially, as I always meet the parent first, and I asked him, 
you know, why are you here? He said, well, quite frankly, Dr. Jacobs, it's probably because of me. Because I put a lot of pressure on her and I ask her, you know, in the car ride home from practice, how'd you do or what didn't you do? And she's not running as well as she did. And I said, well, you're probably putting a lot of pressure on her that is probably making her feel uptight because she has to perform for you. Well, then when she came in, very nice young lady, we started talking. I said, uh, do you feel pressure from your dad? And she looked at him and she got all teared up and just broke down. Says, yeah, I, I can't please him. Whatever I do, it's not enough. And I'm not running as well as I have and I'm disappointing him. So the, this whole idea that you're both bringing up of pleasing parents is a big issue. And so I think one of the things we need to do is work on the communication. Bruce, you want to add it to that? Well, and, and I've, I had, had a situation uh, where, the, and we'll talk more about it, that uh, a lot of parents, there's so many voices that those kids hear, parents from their extra coaches or workout people that I think they just get overwhelmed so much. And, and that's like you said, then they can't perform. And uh, I think that's the big thing. There's so many voices coming into those kids that it's really a, a tough situation for them to, to be able to relax and, and execute and enjoy the game. And Bill, you've seen that as well. Right. And I think there's so much pressure. As I've said before, I try to take the pressure off of the player. And to let the player know, all those outside forces of a pitching coach, hitting coach, I want to know what those people are telling you so I can work with you to help you succeed. Because if you have this person telling them something over here and this over here, particularly in hitting, it becomes so complicated, they just they can't hit. You know, what, what I'm hearing from both of you right now is the importance of communication. And in our next segment, we're going to get into that, the importance of communication, the preseason meeting, setting up guidelines and all these types of things. Because I think that that's one of the most essential things a coach can do to eliminate problems that can occur. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me today here on Sports Psychology Hour is Bruce Erickson, who's coached for almost 40 years at the sport of basketball, especially with girls. And Bill McDonald, who's just retired after 50 years of coaching high school baseball in the Kansas City area. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and this is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour and from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Today I'm talking to two coaches. Bill McDonald has over 50 years, 50 years of experience coaching high school baseball in the Kansas City area. And Bruce Erickson, who has almost 40 years of coaching girls basketball, both the collegiate and high school level. We're having a great conversation today. And you know, we're talking about the pressures high school athletes face. And if you've listened to our shows before, you know I like to talk about the importance of a preseason meeting with parents, athletes, and the coach. And basically in this meeting, you guys as coaches set up your guidelines for the year, practice schedules, traveling schedules, all that stuff. But you also talk about the coach-athlete-parent relationship. When parents should or can talk to you, when they shouldn't talk to you, what they should ask, what they shouldn't ask. Give the parents an opportunity in that preseason meeting to get all this stuff out. And you, you'll start to know who the parents you may have some issues with throughout the season are, right? Bruce, you're smiling as I'm asking that. Okay, do, do you both agree with having that preseason meeting? Absolutely. Okay. I think that's vital to, to have a smooth year. You have to have a good, clear uh, ideas 
put out to the parents on what's expected of them. And, you know, when I have a meeting with them, I tell them that uh, if you think I'm mistreating your daughter, please come to see me and the athletic director during business hours. But I don't want to have you talk about playing time unless you show up every day to practice. Always give them that opportunity. If you want to sit in on every one of my open practices, you're fine. Then I might listen to you on how uh, you think about if your daughter's getting enough playing time. And other than that, I don't want to hear about playing time because all you're hearing is what your daughter's saying and you're judging off 32 minutes of a game. So, but but you but you've had that problem before. Yes. Okay. Yes. You'll set that up, but you'll get you'll hear from parents. So how? Give us an example of that and how you dealt with that. And then Bill, I want you to chime in from your perspective. So Bruce, you go first. Well, I'll always have parents come in and say Sally's better than Mary. She should be playing more. And I bring that up. Have you have you watched our practices at all? So you're not judging anything but what's happening in a game. And if you have a problem, let's bring you and your daughter in, and then let's let's talk. When the and you hate to bring the daughter into the into the mix, but a lot of times when the it comes out, the daughter will say, "No, that's not true, Dad. No, that's not true, Mom," and and it kind of evens it out. But people, parents, just make so many assumptions that their kid should be playing over a certain player just because of height or skill, and and they don't look at the whole big picture. It's all very individualized. So I think you just have to really bring the whole. Uh, administration and coaches and and uh, family daughter in and, and have a sit down and you've got to iron it out or it'll be a problem the whole year. How often have you had to do that in the course of a regular season? Usually in the last uh, probably fifteen years once because once I, a year. No, just once. Just once. Because I'm so adamant on the preseason meeting on putting the guidelines down that they know that I'm I'm not you know this this is a set in stone type of deal that. If I tell you you can come to practice, then I'll listen to what your opinions are. But other than that, that's, you know, I'm going to do what's best for the team and for your daughter. I'm going to treat her good. I'm going to treat her like my daughter. But uh, parents, you know, a lot of those voices are coming in, people saying, hey, she should be playing. Well, she's not competing to practice and not getting it done. And so you really have to set those early standards so that they know where uh, their daughter's going to, you know, what they can do. Bill, what's your what's your perspective? Well, <clears throat> we always have the preseason meeting, and I try to give some insight about me um, as to why I am the way I am. And a lot of my thoughts were developed as a young kid growing up in a little town of Gerard, Kansas, because it was a great place to be raised. Uh, the community was concerned about you. My parents were concerned about me. Uh, my dad played catch with me at all times. Uh, my dad talked to me about, never talked to me about how I passed the ball, how I shot a ball, or how I threw a pitch. My dad never talked to me about that. He talked to me about my attitude. So that's what I bring up to the parents. Because if I had any success, it was by the fact that I could develop a team and I could produce a correct attitude that you have to do that you have to have to play for me. So I need to get that across. I don't I don't and will not allow any prima donnas that you're gonna have to humble yourself in order to play the game of, of baseball. Um, as once again I've said, uh, then I would, a- after I would have that preseason meeting, then a couple of days later I would have the parents, anybody that wanted to come in, I gave a demonstration on everything we do from what we're trying to do on infield play, how we feel properly, how we hit properly, the stroke we're trying to get, uh, how to throw properly. I would do all of that with any parent that wanted to come in and they could ask me any question about the baseball program. And I think that was a, that was a great help. Um, but 
you've talked to many times, your book and the various things you talk about are always about communication. And I think that's what I've always done is I've always been straightforward with the kids. I, I call kids into what I call the garage at Shimes South. It was called the room. But excuse me a second. There's a reason you coached for 50 years, Bill. There's a reason you survived that long. Yeah, because if you didn't communicate as you're, as you're sharing here, you wouldn't have survived. But also, I mean, I, I never got tired. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the, the kids. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the games. It was the kids. It was the fun of seeing the light go off in practice that they got it, that they understood what you were trying to say to them. And that comes from communication. And um, a lot of times the parents, kids will not come in. You ha- no player will come in, will say, the parent call me and say, my son's not getting this, this, or this. The player has to come see me. He has to come see me. Because the reason kids don't come see you is because they know the answer. They don't want to hear the answer. And so, therefore, you as a coach, you have to see that and you have to go to them with the answer. Bruce, you're, you're shaking your head agreeing with everything Bill's saying here. Oh, without a doubt. The kids, the kids don't want to come in and meet because they usually know the answer before the meeting. But you really have to set the parents straight. And that's kind of like what Bill's saying. Those kids know before that whole meeting comes up that I shouldn't be playing in front of that kid. But mom and dad are telling me and you know i want to i don't want to cause conflict so i'll tell them what they want to hear and and the communication is because once you get those kids in there and and be straightforward with them you know, usually it'll always come out that okay yeah i i see now and uh you know most of the time it ends up in a pretty good place but i think bill you know i'm on the women's side so for me it's a lot uh you know my kids are trying for scholarships where being a baseball coach that he has on the men's side you know in this day and age, there's kids in high school that are getting drafted. So I think there's a lot more pressure on the men's side on on trying to communicate and dealing with parents that, you know, they're looking at pro contracts if they're a top-notch kid. So where my kid on the female side, you know, the WNBA isn't pulling kids out of high school. So I just think there's so much pressure on the, the men's side in a lot of different sports that uh, it, it's a tougher tougher area to go into. You know, one of the things I'm hearing from both of you is, as we shared earlier, the importance of communication and the importance of setting up a guideline and precedent at the beginning of the season about your rules and expectations. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me today are Bill McDonald and Bruce Erickson, coaches with 90 years of coaching experience together. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Now I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports on this show. You know, my, I've got 37 years of experience working as a sports psychologist. I've worked at every level from the professional Olympic level all the way down to youth sports. And one of the things that I've noticed so much is the pressure that kids are under today. I'm getting younger and younger kids coming into my office. When I first started about the youngest athlete I'd see would be maybe 13 or 14. Now I'm getting eight and nine-year-olds coming in with their parents, stressed out. I'm thinking, why would an eight-year-old be stressed out about their sport? Well, they're playing too many games. They don't like it anymore. It's not fun. The coach is yelling at them. They get in trouble because they struck out or missed a shot. I'm like, 
why would an eight-year-old kid get in trouble for striking out? That's going to happen. Well, because of coaches' egos. You know, in our book, Just Let Him Play, that I co-wrote with Kansas City Royals Hall of Famer Jeff Montgomery and Olympic swim coach Pete Malone, we talk about the role of a coach. We talk about the expectations. And a coach has to wear many, many hats. I think a good coach, a great coach for that matter, is a good psychologist, is a, is a mentor, is a friend, is a disciplinarian, is an instructor, is a guide, is a good listener. Good coaches take the time to understand their athletes individually. And the pressures that kids are under today, I think, are much greater than they were even 10 years ago. I'm seeing a change in this because the possibility of scholarships or pro contracts or whatever it might be, parents put an incredible amount of time, money, and effort into, into their kids' youth sports. And Bruce, as you mentioned earlier, if they added up all that money they spent, sometimes there's the money for a scholarship right there. So what do both of you see some of the sources of pressure today on kids? Bill, let's start with you. I think the pressure really is the pressure that the young man puts on himself because he's gotten so much instruction. He feels like he's a failure because of all the instruction, all the money these parents have spent. And so therefore, my job, let's take my son, for example. My son, I tell him, I don't care if you go over 16. It makes no difference to me whatsoever. I'm looking at your stroke. He would get in the car and I'd tell him, John, that's the best stroke you've had in the last three games. And that gave him a win. And that's the same thing my father did. My dad never said a word. I got in the car. Finally, after 10 minutes, we're driving home. I'd say, Dad, what'd you, what'd you think? And my dad would talk not about my skills. He'd talk about my attitude. But your dad, excuse me, you, but you wouldn't have, your dad wouldn't start talking to you about it. You would ask him. I would ask him. I'd have to ask him. And that's not me saying it because I'm on a radio show. That's 100%. We had because that, excuse me, because that's that's my whole thing, is when you get in the car after a game, after a practice, as a parent, don't start drilling your kid about your child about how it went or what was right or wrong. Ask them where they want to go eat. Ask, say, hey, you know what? I love watching you play today. It was a lot of fun seeing you out there. Even if they screwed up or they did great, give them that that reinforcement that you love them and you care about them, and let them know, you know, I just. I'm glad to be here for you. You know, Doc, that's one of the things, the great things about this program, this show, is that you're producing things that we must talk about because we're having generations of kids that just are not enjoying enough the sport that they're participating in because of some pressure they put on themselves because of outside forces that are being placed on them. And I want kids just to enjoy the game. Now, you, you, you've mentioned several times, have fun. I qualify fun. Fun to me is not haha fun during a game. Fun for me is that they're learning the skills of the game and they're excited about improving as a player each day in practice. And they're putting the effort into it. Whether they succeed or fail is irrelevant. It's what are they learning from. So it. my job is to, I have 55 kids in a program, 18 on a varsity, 16 on a varsity. My job is to teach the 16th player the same as I'm trying to teach the number one player. And therefore, he feels worthy, and therefore, he becomes a part of the team, even though his playing time is somewhat limited. So, to me, that's the fun part of it. You know, parents say things, oh, I just want him to have fun. I try to qualify what is fun. I try to qualify what is confidence, because and we may disagree on this, but I think you can play and not have confidence. And I think in time, if you follow the process that the coach is trying to teach you, you will gain confidence. And therefore, then the game will become fun to you because you're having success in the game. Oh, I agree with you on that. Bruce, what do you think? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, you talk about the pressure on the kids. And and uh, in this day and age, it's it's like we've just been talking. It, it used to be that 
nobody put much pressure on if you struck out or if you had a had a bad uh, ground or hit or an error. You know, and and the kids just played. In this day and age, I see so many parents just get so upset if a kid strikes out. And I just read on the internet, and and I think it's one of the best stories I'd read that uh, a former major league pitcher had a had his own little kids team, and the dads were screaming at every kid when he struck out. And the next practice, the pitcher made all the dads come out and put a helmet on and face him. And he said, you know, he threw 90 and threw it by all the parents. And, and he said, see, that's what you don't understand how hard this game is. And, and don't put the pressure, any more pressure on the kids. Let them enjoy the game. They're not going to hit the ball every time, as I just proved to you guys. You know, you, parents just need to understand that it's still a game. And, and now with all the investment that those parents put into it, they've lost the idea that it's, a, that it's more of a game than, than anything. Are you both seeing this because I, I I feel it's happening more referees officials umpires are getting attacked a lot more verbally than they used to I mean you go to a major league game and you'll hear people yell blue you blankety blank whatever I'm seeing that at kids games now I mean why is that I mean you know we have we have referees there's there's a problem with soccer referees not surviving at the youth sport level because of the abuse they're getting. Are you guys seeing that as well? Have you noticed that? I think across the country there is. I don't necessarily see that much in this area. I have not seen, yes, there's always going to be in a crowd, there's always during the season, there's going to be one or two incidents that are going to come from somebody verbalizing something who really doesn't understand the rules. And But I don't, I don't see it here in high school sports. Basketball, you can't hear them. You know, when you ref varsity basketball, you can't hear them. You can just see their facial expressions. In a baseball game, you can hear them in a baseball game. But I, I didn't see that that much. But yet all the rules that are being made for high school baseball are relating to violence that has happened to umpires across the country. So I think there are pockets in the country that, yes, there are those issues. Now, youth sports, when I was at Johnson County 3-2 and two for 27 years, Yes, I saw some ugly things with young kids umpiring and parents making something of an issue over nothing. Bruce? And, and I agree with you. I think it's getting to be a real uh, pressure-packed thing with all the athletic uh, organizations, you know, the Kansas State High School Activity Association. Every, every book that comes out, try to recruit officials, recruit officials, just because the young ones don't want to hear all the verbal abuse that they're getting. So it's going to be a problem as, as it keeps going because a lot of the old-timers are retiring and there's not a lot of uh, people coming in just because of the verbal abuse. And, you, you know, that's a shame, but it is it is what it is. But officials, but also you see the same thing in coaching. You're not going to see coaches with 40 years and 50 years. Coaches are doing this for a period of time, 10, 15 years, and then they're leaving because of that. But if, if you talk a little bit about pressure, I'm reading this book called The Arm. This is pressure. From the year 2010 to 2015, an orthopedic surgeon by the name of Erickson, he took every Tommy John surgery, which is surgery on the elbow, he took every Tommy John surgery that had happened in this country from 2010 to 2015, 57% of those came from teenagers. That's pressure on them by coaches putting pressure on them to throw because it's not rest that protects the arm or hurts the arm. Lack of rest. It's the number of pitches you're throwing that's right. killing. Right. And in, in, in our book, and just, let him, the, just Let Him Play, Dr. Steve Joyce, who was the Kansas City Royals orthopedic surgeon for over 30 years, talks about this. The, the, the 
increase in youth sports injuries at younger and younger ages. And, and Tommy John surgery is one where you're seeing with younger and younger kids now because they're being forced to throw curveballs and things when they shouldn't be doing that. You know, this whole issue of pressure from parents is something we've got to address. And I think it's something that if you're a coach listening to the show today, I think one of the things I'm hearing from both of these gentlemen is this. Communicate, communicate, communicate. Take the time in the preseason meeting, as we said earlier. Set up your guidelines. Set up your rules. If you have parents that are maybe a little bit out of control, take the time to pull them aside. Take the time to talk to them. And one of the things that I always tell everybody is if you're a coach, at every game, bring a bag of Tootsie Pops and hand them out to all the parents before the game and say, suck on this. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Joining me today are two great coaches, Bill McDonald with 50 years of experience as a high school baseball coach, and Brooks Erickson, who's coached almost 40 years at both the collegiate and high school level with girls basketball. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and this is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. You know, I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports on this show, and we're having a great topic discussion today with two really incredible men. Bruce Erickson, who's coached both at the high school and collegiate level in women's basketball for almost 40 years. He understands the mentality of these young ladies, how to work with them in a positive way. I've worked with him. I've worked with the teams he's, he's coached before, and I get it. And I've known Bill McDonald for a number of years. He coached in the Kansas City area for 50 years, 50 years of high school baseball coaching. So combined, they have 90, almost 90 years of experience understanding this, this whole issue of coaching. So we've talked today about the pressure kids face, the pressure from parents, how to deal with these issues. So let's talk about solutions, guys. How do we make the high school sports experience, a productive one, a positive one, a fun one, giving kids an opportunity to grow and learn, yet at the same time make it something that's enjoyable. What do you guys think about that? Well, I think one thing uh, that, that I've, in the last few years, I, I want the parents to to try to be more of a support for their player. You know, there's so much pressure now on those kids to step on a basketball court and try to perform at their highest level in front of their family, friends, crosstown rivals. That there's so much pressure that they've already put on themselves. That you know, I, I want the parents to understand that they need to be there as a support, uh, you know, group that that can help those kids get through some of these tough times. And I think a lot of times the parents are adding on to it, putting more undue pressure on it. So we talk at our meetings that uh, we want those parents to really try to try to be a support staff. And, and help those kids out because there's definitely enough outside pressure and influences from uh, different coaches and workout people that uh, that they might work with that uh, they need to just be the pat them on the back and be positive with the kids. And I think the word positive in my program, I use it so much that, you know, I don't yell at them for missing shots. I, I want them to understand that you're, you're not going to hit a 1,000 and you're not going to make every shot. So you want to understand there's failure in every game, but don't let the pressure and the uh, uh, that you put on yourself, uh, ha- you know, escalate to where it's going to be causing your mental, mental anguish. I have a sign in my office when you walk in, if you walk straight ahead, you see it. 
says Babe Ruth struck out 1,330 times. And I always emphasize that to almost all my new clients because so many of them talk about being perfectionists and wanting to please their parents or wanting to please their teammates or wanting to please their coaches. And I go, hey, what's that say? Babe Ruth struck out 1,330 times. You know how many home runs he hit? 714. Greatest baseball player of all time. Failed almost twice as many times as he hit home runs. You're going to fail. You're going to screw up. It's okay. It's part of the game. Right, Bill? I mean, you yes. know that about baseball as well as anybody. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I'm speaking to the coach now. That's what I'm doing in this. these things I want to say. One, the coach, I want you to go out and I want you to learn as much as you can about the sport. I don't want you to coach if you don't have the passion to learn the skills of your game. Secondly, I want you to have a character development process within each day that you go to practice. Because each day in practice, there will be character flaws in your team. There will be character flaws in individual players. And I want you to be ready to help them with character development. Um, You know, is a person respectful? Is it responsible? Is this good sport? Okay, that all comes down to eventually, now the focus and the point comes to you as a coach that develops trust. Trust, we have to talk about these situations that are coming up in our sports society today, and we have to have coaches that are trusted, that are respectful to their to their players. They will build trust from that. You know, uh, swearing at players, degrading players, versus coaching them. Get in the dirt with them and coach with them. That builds trust. When parents, I believe parents, when they see that you're doing those things, parents will not be coming after you. This this show, we've talked a lot about parents, but we as coaches have a responsibility also to know as much as we can about the game and then impart that to the young people and coach them. One of the things I talk about a lot on this show is the topic of respect. It's an issue in our society today, as we all know, if we look at politics and everything going on. I think we've got an issue with respect with sports in that I think a lot of times coaches are not respected, parents are not respected, because a lot of kids feel they can say whatever they want, because I'm so-and-so. How do we throw the respect issue out there from your perspective as coaches? Bruce, let's start with you. Well, dealing with the respect, I talk to all my players about their body language and how they handle any kind of bad call by an official or, or anything like that. I I really have a problem with the animation and all that the, they lose respect for the game and for the officials and their calls and, and that's one of the things that my uh, uh, kids know in the program right away that if you're going to show bad body language you're going to hear a buzzer and you'll come to the bench and you'll watch for a while and, and i think so that that bench will be your best friend yeah they'll understand real quick that uh you know and that's the thing about it though bill's got 50 years and i've got a ton of years too that i've got enough wins i've got enough losses so i have the luxury of of really pushing and teaching these kids how to do it right. Because if I get a win, fine. If I don't, that that's also fine. But they better perform and, and try to do their best, you know, to their ability. But I want them to learn how to respect the game and and how it should be played. And I think that's a, it comes from being in the sport so long is you, you got to respect it. You know, my dad always told me that the, the opponents you're playing against, Bill, wants to win just as much as you do. And once he beats you, you got to respect him and you've got to shake his hand. We lost in the state championship one year, and we're passing out the medals. And after a medal was given to a young man, I heard thud on the ground. I looked down, the medal was on the ground. 
And I quietly, because there were lots of fans there, I asked him, pick it up, then come down to the end of the line with me. And I told him, of all the things we've talked about, that the bottom line is, they beat us today. And until you learn to handle that part of giving your very best, and then you lost, you shake their hand, and you move on from that and learn from that. So let me ask you both these questions as we wrap things up in, in our show today. Give me your definitions of winning and losing. Bill, let's start with you. You know, to me, winning is just learning the game that you're playing and to give it the very best you can to develop your skills. I don't know what the word I don't know what the word winner means. I don't like to say one of my players is a winner. I just want him to be a person that is respected by his teammates, respected as a player on the field, respected by his opponent. To me, that is a person. And when I'm not talking about winning or losing, I'm not talking about hey, we were 21 and two, so we're winners. I want them to be able to understand the character part that it takes to play sports and to play against an opponent. To me, that is winning. Winning will take care of itself. You never have to talk about winning. Winning will take care of itself. What about losing? Losing, I don't think you're ever there to lose, but when you do lose, it's how you handle losing. I think the next day you have to show the kids that that was yesterday, has nothing to do with today. I had a coach one time tell me, take us into the locker room after a football game and turn the lights out. And we, we sat in there for 30 minutes. I thought we were going to be in there for a couple of minutes. We were in there 30 minutes. And he spoke in the darkness. It was like God spoke to us. And the next day he said, be prepared for what's going to happen to you. We ran until we dropped the next day. And I thought to myself, did that make me a better football player that day or this year? No. It is my job to make them a better player by teaching them. Bruce, your perspective. Yeah, I always talk about winning with our teams and and. It, it's not so much of looking at the scoreboard. We're not worried about that. It's it's how you handle yourself as a person and your character, and, and we feel like that will carry over into your real life. The other thing on losing, we don't talk about losing as a word. That's not not a word I use a lot. I talk about, hey, we came up a little short t- tonight, and uh, that other team beat us, was a little bit better prepared, and you know a lot of it might be my fault, but we don't talk about being a loser if the score wasn't in our favor you're still doing things right you just didn't do it to a ability to uh to get out ahead on the scoreboard so we don't talk about losing just got to give a better effort every time you step on the court you know i've been doing this show for 27 years and i love doing interviews like this with you too because your knowledge is is it, it's limitless and what you both shared with our listeners today hopefully is something a lot of people are going to be able to take I encourage you to take this show, let your kids listen to it, let your teams listen to it. Uh, Bill McDonald, 50 years of experience as a high school baseball coach in the Kansas City area. Bruce Erickson, who's coached at a number of schools, the high school and collegiate level girls basketball. I want to thank you both for joining me today. Tremendous advice, tremendous knowledge you've shared with our listeners. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As you know, I'm here every week. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. There are a lot of ways you can reach me. You can follow me on Twitter at, at DRJ Sports Psych, at DRJ S-P-R-T-P-S-Y-C-H. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. They're also podcasted on my website, which is winnersunlimited.com. Just go to the podcast page. You can always reach me at my office. That number is 816-561-5556. Or send me an email at my website, winnersunlimited.com, DRJ at winnersunlimited.com. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Have a great week. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com.